Thank you for joining us on our journey here to preserve the history of mixed martial arts. When I wanted to take on this project, I needed help. I brought in one of my favorite matchmakers, Miguel Iterate, and the MMA detective, Mike Davis. So to do this, we've been able to preserve history. Welcome and enjoy. Miguel Iterate here for the Lights Out podcast, and uh, I'm in the Lights Out vault one-on-one with Onassis Parangal. Uh, definitely a first-generation MMA person. Very happy to have you here. Onassis, how are you? Hi. Nice to meet you. Uh, put a fa- face to a name. Uh, hello to everybody. Thanks for having me. And uh, Onassis uh, is one of the uh, participants in UFC 7, and he also participated in one of the uh, Russian absolutes, I believe the very first one. So we're going to go into some of that. But what, what are you doing right now? Where are you? Introduce your school and, and stuff like that. Because we're looking at a lifelong martial artist, a guy who had, at about, I, I'm figuring about 20, 23, 25 years old, challenged himself and went and, you know, fought in UFC. Yeah. He's undefeated in UFC. And now, you know, he's he's been a lifelong martial artist. So introduce your school, sir. Uh, name of my school is uh, Cheng Yi Kung Fu School. Cheng Yi is the characters for righteousness. Um, honestly, I was a fighter before I went into traditional, you know, martial arts. I did Filipino martial arts. And... Um, a lot of Filipino martial arts is, doesn't do as much <laughs> forms or anything like that. You know, they just fight, you know, stick fight, hand mm-hmm. fight, Arnis de Mano, all that stuff. Um, so that's the kind of person I was first before I went, wanted to do the, you know, the gung fu and stuff like that, you know, I got you. and I, I teach in, I teach in Connecticut now, but, I, but I, a big portion of my traditional learning was also in California. I moved back here because my dad was in the Navy and he retired and, and you know, yada, yada, yada. I had some kids, you know, um, and th- those things are important to me and stuff. But I, I got to say, always a fighter first. <laughs> okay. so, and, and that's right. to be respected because we met you at UFC 7, not personally, but mm-hmm. the, the, the fight world met you at UFC 7. You fought as an alternate. You fought Francisco Maturi, uh, yes. who's, who's remembered as a guy who filed his teeth and and uh, Art yeah, Davy gave him the yeah, <laughs> Art Davy gave him the nickname Fang, you know. Yeah. And um, so that's where we met you. How did you get there? Tell tell us the story of how you got into UFC Seven. I, you know, there was it was a you know early nineties, and they they had had a couple you know you a few UFCs, and then they started saying you know. Uh, apply if you think you can do it, you know, if you got the, you know, balls to try, you know, and um, I, I, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of other fighters that did the same thing. I wrote a letter, you know, saying, Hey, I'm a Filipino martial artist. I also do some uh, Honga. I do some traditional Gung Fu. Um, let me in there, you know, send them a little video of me training, you know, uh, hitting the bag and stuff like that. But you have to remember. And um, as I said before, I, you know, you're, you guys are the experts in, in all the history. Now that was a bracketed tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they allowed the newbies us in there, you know, behind them, um, we were alternates, you know, they only paid us uh, five grand um, to do this, to do mm-hmm. that. I flew into Buffalo with my dad. Um, you know, it's, it's always strange when you're flying into a new, no, new location because you know, like some guys are gym fighters, you know what I mean? Like if you're a fencer, you might be known as a Saul fencer, right? 
So if you know anything about fencing, you know, you might be almost unbeatable in your own saw, but when you go out and, you know, fence in somewhere strange, you know, same yeah. thing, right? Sure. Um, so when you get there, you know, it's, it's, it's winter time, you know, it's cold, you know, you're not used to the food, you know, I mean, those are all things that pro professional fighters have to deal with, you know, and I don't know how much detail you want me to go. I mean, like during yeah. that time, you know, they, they make you do, you know, all the blood testing, you know, the AIDS testing, you know, um, there's all kinds of shady guys that approach you, <laughs> Uh, in the beginning, like I had this one camera guy approach me, you know, um, this is for UFC seven now, you know, like saying, Hey, I noticed, uh, you don't, you don't have too many guys in your corner. You know, if you, if you give me a backstage pass, I'll take a bunch of photos for you and they'll be great. But, but afterward he took all these photos, but it, then it just said, you know, professional copy, you know, now you're going to huh? pay me for those. So I let that guy go down ringside. He took all his photos and then he tries to charge me for it. You know, okay, I, mean? like, I yeah, that makes sense. Yep. And I had to, you know, I had to learn all these lessons at the beginning. You know, as a new with that, you know, they they there are guys that are like trying to like bet, put money, you know. Um, sure, sure. I, I, so you no, know, it depends on. I mean, how how when we talk about Russia too, you know, it depends on how deep you know I want to go into the fighters' code and tell you about so the stuff I know that that go in there, you know. Um, like after the fight with Maturi, I was walking around the crowd. Um, and I think, and by the way, Maturi's a real, I, I have a lot of respect for him, a real nice guy. I think I heard he was a boxer, wrestler guy. You know, I know he had done some, he's very physically fit, you know, dude. He's bigger mm -hmm. and heavier than me. You know, I was the lightest guy in that tournament too, I think. Um, I remember when we had the the the, the meeting for the, for the fight, um, they were going to explain all the rules, which was not many. They had no biting, no eye gouging. Right. And that's about it. <laughs> Hair pulling, I think, by then. Huh? Hair pulling? No, people were hair pulling. Okay. Head butting, no problem. Pulling, hitting in the crotch. They're doing all that stuff. The, the, the thing <laughs> is, is like when we went to the meeting, I... I was trying to get in there and some of the other guys were like saying, you know, fighters only. And I'm like, I, I am a fighter. Oh, oh, excuse me. Right. And so I get up to the front of the table a little bit and then people are like fighters only. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I am. Fired. <laughs> just let me get to the table. I just want to grab my little car and then I'm going to go sit down. And then you, then they're going to explain to us, you know, what we're going to do, you know, cause they try to get you there at least two or three days before. So you can acclimate, mm -hmm. which is, you know, what professional fighters do. Yeah. Who ran the rule meeting? Was it our daily running it, or by then was it Big John, or how, how did that work? Uh, McCarthy was there, the referee, but I had um, I can't, I, it's, it was off the top of my head. I was going to say, you know, um, it's a real nice guy. Uh, Big John McCarthy was there, but you know, um, the the wrestling. Uh, Olympian oh, Jeff, Jeff Blatnick. Jeff Blatnick. Jeff Blatnick was there, you know, and a bunch of guys like him. But um, I forgot. Uh, the, my referee was from the Dragon. Um, uh, he's the really cool black guy. He's a martial artist. Um, okay. I can't think of his name right now. I feel. Uh, anyway. Yes, all those characters were there. You know. Okay. Um, was there any controversy? Now that that was the first time we saw. Uh, Marco Ruas in the tournament. Yeah, with the whole had... foot stomping thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was the first time that? you saw that, you know? Yeah. Now, 
Uh, well, let's talk about your fight first before we get okay. into some of the other stuff there. Because <laughs> I remember watching it back in the 90s, and I thought, like you said, you were the smaller guy in the, in the fight. You were an alternate, so, you, you know, we might or might not see you again. But after your fight, I wanted to see you again because I thought that you had an impressive performance. You did fight a bigger guy, and, you know, you use more than kung fu techniques. And talk a little bit yeah. about the fight and, and, and how, you know, you were pretty prepared for a UFC-style fight for, the, for that era. I thought so, but obviously in hindsight, you know, if anybody thinks I'm the same guy that I was 25 years ago, that's they're completely mistaken, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, you anybody looks back as how they were more than two decades ago and go, holy crap, I, I could completely, you know, crush who I was back then, you know. Sure. But, yeah, I, you know, I remember the famous announcer, you know, the let's get ready, the rumble guy. Um, Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer announced this, and even though as, yep. an, as an alternate. And I was a little nervous, but I remember um, – because I was on a state championship wrestling team, you know, so I'm kind of, you know, used to getting ready for, you know, a match or whatever, but I'm sitting there looking at my opponent and I'm like, I don't want to be nervous. So I started looking at his watch and I'm going, man, he has a nice watch. <laughs> Anything to take my mind off what was about to happen, you know, literally, you know, 90 seconds right after that, you know, mm -hmm. and then it was ding and Fang, Fang rushed at me or whatever. And, and I just instinctively, I threw a front kick. And I was hoping that he would spit blood. You know, he's a nice guy. I like him all. But obviously, a bigger guy, all he did was just shake it off and say, come on, you know. And mm -hmm. then um, after that, I used – that's general martial arts. After that, I used um, uh, very Filipino martial arts, which is a cross back fist. Um, okay. And that's a shorthanded method, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you miss with a cross and you come back with a back fist. And then – I use the traditional left punch <laughs> and everyone's always getting on me about that fight that they think I was trying to claw him in the eyes. I wasn't when, if you see the video, I put out a YouTube video of the fight. You may have seen it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's a tire claw, but I pull the fingers back. So it was all palm to the face. It was not me, you know, trying to get him in the eyes or anything like that. I know what the rules are, you know? So mm -hmm. that's not what happened. Then when I got down on the ground, you know, but the, the fight went a longer, you know, went a few minutes, you know, the, the thing that was really delaying me is he had a lot of grease in his hair. You know, I was like, my hands were really slippery, slippery. And I was doing all I could just to, to stay in control on the top, you know? Um, and they were trying to Don, the dragon Wilson was saying, you know, uh, you expect to strike from the ground. And I'm like, yeah, it's possible. You can, you know, they didn't even come up with the term ground and pound yet. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, You know, I mean, people were doing it already. I wasn't the first, you know, but I was like, hell yeah, other guys are doing it. Why can't I do it too? You know? So I, I struggled to find a few, you know, to connect a few hits and, and, and it did. And then he finally, you know, tapped and um, like I said, cool guy though. I talked to him afterward, you know? Yeah, no, that's good. And he was also, uh, you know, more or less from the same cloth. Art Davey uh, told us in his interview that he received a letter from Fang Maturi and yeah. that he had received hundreds of letters from hundreds of, you know, martial artists applying for it and stuff. So, so it's yeah. interesting how his matchmaking process, you know, met, met up a big guy versus a little guy. He's doing, you know, he's doing his work. Yeah. Wide representation. Go ahead. There, you know, I, Don, Don, the dragon Wilson came up to me afterward and he's all, he said, you made me lose a lot of money. 
Oh, like, why? Because <laughs> I bet against you. And I'm like, well, good. I hope you lost a lot. <laughs> I'm like, what, what kind of, what kind of, you know, fucked up shit is that? Excuse my language. You know, I'm like, why no, would no, you say no. that to me? You yes. know what I mean? Of course well, I don't want, Yeah, good. Eat it, man. You know, yeah. I'm not Absolutely. saying that he sucks. Okay. I'm not saying that, you know, mm. oh, I'm going to kick his ass or not. I'm just saying you bet against me. Of course I'm going to want, I'm going to try to make you lose, you know? No, that so, makes sense. And, and that's right. funny because you, you, so you felt like, you know, at, 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 they didn't let you in the uh, room. And then, you know, Don Wilson's betting against you. Did you feel like overall of, disrespect from them yet? I, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Did the, is that one of the reasons? Like, you won. Now you're watching. Let's stay there, but then we'll, I'll ask you why you never came back. But um, so now you won the fight. Now you expect to jump in the tournament if, if it's needed at some point. Yes. Now, did you scout? Did you watch the other fights? Yeah. I mean, they gave us a little TV monitor, like in the workout room, you know, okay. like uh, off to the side where we were limbering up, but it wasn't fancy like it is now, you know? Sure, sure. Um, I got to say something about it. It could be because I was adamant in the beginning that they wanted to sign me to minimum number of fights contract. And I don't know about the other guys. I got paid five because I just said, I want the one fight because I want to see how your organization works. Okay. You will not bind me, be committed. I will, I, you know, I didn't want to be tied down, you know? Um, Cause I've heard horror stories about other guys, you know, in other arts and professions, you know, yes. and how, how they get treated in contracts and stuff like that. So I always want, when we talk about Russia, same thing. They wanted me to be in a multi-fight deal. We're talking about going to Kazakhstan and going to all these different places. They would have had me all over the world, man. You know, I probably would have Kazakhstan. I would have ended up upside down by my hanging by my feet, you know, for breaking the law, you know, doing something, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, not to uh, mention, it, especially back then, it was dangerous, man. I mean, now it's probably dangerous, yeah. but back then, it was war zone, you know, with I, Russia and stuff. So frightening. Yes, when I did, when I did UFC seven, you're you're not gonna, ble- no one believes me when I say this, but that was two days before my wedding. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, and I remember my mother in law saying, "Don't get your face mocked up." You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like, okay, you know, you're gonna ruin the wedding if you get all jacked up. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, so so we could definitely tell a good story about you. You, you flew in. You really didn't get marked up. You yeah. went home. You went home. Five grand. Hey, that's not bad for a wedding tip. You know what I mean? And yeah. Especially back then. So that's a good story. <laughs> well, yeah. Af- during afterward is where I really got approached because there was this guy named Takate Otate Otate. Damn it, I can't pronounce his name. I apologize to all the Japanese speakers. Okay, no, 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 yeah, but, but he approached me about doing um, the the shoot fighting stuff in Japan. Okay. You know? And I was thinking about doing that. The thing is, I just I just got married, right? Mm-hmm. And I know I had heard about other fighters going to Japan, and you know, being separated, going to Japan for like a year and just got married didn't even go on a honeymoon you know and he's now he's asking me to go Um, okay you know fighters will get together in like bathhouses and stuff yeah you know then they might meet together at other places you know what i mean Mm -hmm. 
I just got married. You can't put me in those situations. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. I'm not saying I'm going to do anything, but it's just like when we went to Russia. I could tell you some stuff about, you know, when we get to that point, you know, I'll tell you about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand. Well, so what, th- that is a tough decision, you know. When we I, were when we were in Russia and they pulled us apart, like on on a on a separate day, they took us out to a nightclub and offered us prostitutes. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, mean that, that might be commonplace in other places, but me as a Navy kid growing up, you know, and uh, my dad is always like, you know, yes sir, you know, and I'll, my dad would be, you know, yeah. my dad's like, ah, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I'm not. I will. I did not partake of the uh, offerings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I understand. No, they. They. I think it's a deliberate. You know, I think they do it in Brazil as well. Is they will try to deliberately distract you for one way or another. You know. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get to Russian a little bit. I want. Yeah, I want yeah. to talk a little bit about the, your scouting for UFC Seven. What do you remember about you know some of the legends from that show, like Marco Ruas? Like who impressed you, and what were your memories from? From watching the tournament. No one knew jack shit hardly about anybody except everybody had eyes on Hoist Gracie, right? Uh I mean, let's be honest. Yes, there were guys who were the karate guys coming in. There were the judo guys coming in. You know, there were a bunch of – but it was the Wild West. Mm -hmm. Think about it. No weight classes, right? Sure. People just – haven't really got training routines down like like and make no mistake i i might say this person i might say this multiple times during this interview so obviously respect to all the mma fighters out there but modern mma fighters currently as they are right now in my opinion are the best you know especially the good professionals are the best trained the best athletes they belong where they are all the all their um accolades go to them because they fight and they train hard and I wouldn't put it past them, you know, to whip every, you know, anybody and everybody, you know, that being said, there is holes in what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I mean by that is, you know, a long time ago, like let, let's say you're a Japanese swordsman, right. And you're really good. Right. And you do a duel. Right. And you only have a couple methodologies, you know, uh, there's a lot with sword right you don't always just brashly attack right you 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 um you can faint you can attack by draw you can do all these things right but if your opponent doesn't survive he doesn't learn from his mistake what modern mma also brought to the table was recording everything and people learned what was doable what was not and it was a great awakening. It is a great awakening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, and so when a guy has a great methodology, you know, uh, I remember when we were wrestling, you know, there was a guy who was a state champ, you know, who just could put a, put everybody in a head and arm. Everybody knew it was coming, right? Mm-hmm. And then the guy would try it five or six times, and he might not be able to land it. And all of a sudden in the second round, he put he cranks that sucker on tight, boom, pins a guy, you know? Yeah. And the same move is coming, right? But if you're unable to learn, if nobody knew what that guy's methodology was, right? Every single opponent is starting off kind of not really knowing what's going on. That's mm-hmm. why MMA fighters are getting so much better, in my opinion, is because 
they've learned, oh, what are the weaknesses? What are the trappings of this, right? And it, that, that's why I keep saying, you know, they're, they're the best of what they do. That being said, <laughs> you know, uh, I you fight the way you do in a ring, naked with a speedo if you had to. I wouldn't do that. You know, I'd want at least a you know a rash shirt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some shorts. But some of them guys, you know, the Brazilian guys go naked with a speedo because they can't. I mean, if you're on the back of a parking lot or railroad tracks, you're not going to go. All right, hold on, let me get naked down to a speedo. <laughs> And then fight that way. You know what I mean? And me being as a wrestler, I'm not inclined to want to to shoot on somebody if I'm naked. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I mean, I'll do it if I have to, but I don't want to get all cut up on glass or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so being on your feet, I, in, me, in my opinion, MMA really came full circle, right? When the first guys came out, the jiu-jitsu guys came out, and they came out and they dominated a bunch of stand-up guys because obviously they weren't ready for it. Then when everybody started figuring out their game, the striking game started coming back full circle. Do you notice that? Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys who are two guys who are both really competent at, at, at everything will go, well, hey, you try to take me down. You're going to burn a lot of energy. I'll just counter you. I'll try to take you down. We'll just do it. So you know what? We're just going to stand up and, and, and box each other. Mm-hmm. And you see it happen a lot. You know? Yeah. Um, it, isn't, it isn't that they can't grapple. It isn't that they won't grapple. It's just that it's you. You burn more energy when you grapple than when you when you punch or when you strike. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you could be. You could, it's easier. The other guy might be superior, but you still might have a chance at a stalemate at, at right. that at that takedown game. You know. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. And and he might be better than you and everything. And then you could stalemate him just a little bit and create one little weakness, and then pop. You know. It's, I, I I'm not going to get it correct, but the Gracies mentioned. Uh, they, they have a story where they talk about, you know, bullfighting. And they said, you know, what if the other bulls sat in the front row and were learning, you know? Yeah. If, yeah. If, if the bull might come out and you, you're out there and the bull might just sit down, you know? Yeah. It's like, you burn energy. I'm not doing anything. But they don't learn. You know, it's exactly your point. So, but, but you see some advancement. Ruas is a pretty sophisticated fighter. And I imagine that some of the Japanese connection. You had Ken Shamrock there. He fought Oleg. The, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing guys that are already at, at a certain level of pro yeah. here for your first time. Um, did, did anybody jump out at you? Or was there, were you ready to fight any one of those guys? Were you worried? Was there somebody in particular that worried you more? Or did you have that youthful confidence? I was, the only guys that really bugged me, obviously, because I didn't, never really prepared for were the extreme, extremely large guys. Okay. You know, I mean, Varlins was in there. Paul Varlins. I, I met him afterward when I moved to California. He actually came to my to the Kung Fu school I was teaching at. My, my Sifu was uh, Sifu Kung Wing Lam. Right. And I was okay. one of the head instructors there. Southern Hong Kong instructor there. Paul Varlins was in the San Jose area. He came to the school and he's like, I'd like to train at your school or whatever. But I don't really want to do what you guys do. I just want to use all your bags and your training equipment. And he's like, oh, I remember you. Hey. Why don't you just like attack me and we'll do stuff like that? And I'm like, so you just you want me to just like attack you? You're gonna train, you know? Like it never worked. It didn't pan out. You know, he didn't do it. You know what I mean? But I I, I heard he you know unfortunately he passed away. Yeah, um, he he passed away from COVID uh, last yeah. year. It's unfortunate, but uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he was. But a he's guy a big guy. Yeah, he was 350. That you know in that right. tournament. 
So, so he he worried you. Now, what just what else did you see in that? Uh, Remco was the ju- judo guy, and he'd had yes. some UFC experience. How many of the UFCs had you actually watched before that? Um, the one that I really I can't remember his name, but there was this black guy. It was a judo guy, man. He had got a guy all splayed out, and then he had just was cranking down elbows okay. on that guy. Um, I don't remember what it was. That you know that that guy was. That's Gary really Goodrich. Good. Yeah. Gary yeah. Goodrich. That guy was really good. You know, I was like, man, don't, don't get, don't get wishbone by that guy. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I honestly, I had learned from wrestling, you know, that any guy that comes out, a guy, we used to call guys that came out, you know, don't fall for Gumby, you know, cause the guy might look like Gumby when he comes out and then all of a sudden he, he kicks ass and he knows how to fight. Uh, yeah. So I just had respect for everybody. I actually said that, you know, I, in my little interview prior mm-hmm. to, you know, I'm not here to be, you know, antagonistic. I, you know, I just come here to fight. All I really cared about was back then was just fighting on guts. And and I just wanted to do it. You know, um, I wasn't really, like I said, it was the wild west. I didn't really have um, professional trainers the way guys have now. You know, I was training the way I did. Well, you know, in my up? area, there's a lot of Taekwondo guys. There's a lot of karate guys, you know, um, I, a lot of guys do back then i remember the 80s, 70s 80s doing point fighting and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. so what did you what was your dad's experience like like was he also like a martial artist or yes but my dad's a filipino martial artist my dad's retired okay. navy and and he's the type of guy that fights with knives okay i got <laughs> I'm, you. I'm 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 deadly serious i was in my judo class right and my and the, my my sensei found out that he knew about knives and stuff and he thought he was going to bring in some like blunt aluminum knives or plastic knives or, you know, any of them working knives. My dad brought in a bunch of butcher knives that were like deadly sharp. <laughs> and he just said, he just said, anybody want to, you know, demo with me? And, you know, some of the black belts there and they're like, and he's like, go ahead, attack me, you know? And then my dad's like, you know, wham, you know, and he would dump them, you know, or he, he hit, the, hit them. And they're like, you need to calm down. This is only a demo. And my dad's like, I'm telling you to attack me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're good. That's so he's that type of person. You know what I mean? He doesn't, you know, but first lesson, man, I was a kid, you know, you want to learn martial arts. I just grabbed me and threw me into the bar stools. (laughs) My parents moved from Spain to, to America. We had all like this old type, like European furniture, you know, with a lot of sharp edges. (laughs) And my dad just threw me into that. And I was like, I was broken in there and he's like, you still want to learn? Cause that's what you have to go through. You know what I mean? And I was like, okay, but you know, let me rest up a little bit. <laughs> very, yeah. very interesting. So now at the end of the day, Ruas won that tournament and you, you know, you go down in history undefeated in the UFC one and oh, why, you know, where was the, they had to approach you at some point and say, come back, even if it was just a conversation and then what did you see in the organization? Because you said you were keeping an eye out for him that made you say, maybe not right now. Go ahead. I have no proof of this, but I heard rumblings about Art Davies. Okay. You know, um, I don't know if he was a good guy or a bad guy. I heard rumblings that, um, you know, the Gracies were actually in charge of everything, you know, and that they had it in their mind, you know, you know, it's not me saying this, the rumors were out there that, you know, that they smartly put all their ducks in a row, you know? Um, And obviously they're great martial artists. And what they did was they arranged it 
the room the, the rumors was they arranged it so that they could win the first x number of ones but by then they were so entrenched you know by the time everybody caught up to them it was too late that they were so good mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah, sure. Um, and I'll give you a good example of that that's public, but people do question it. And that's what I think leads you down that rabbit hole, right? Yeah. Is, uh, the fact is, is, for the first UFC, they had Brazilian referees. And they said, oh, you know, let's, uh, let's change that. It doesn't look good. Yeah. And they brought in a student from the Gracie Academy in California to be the referee, Big John McCarthy. You know, now yeah. John's a good man and, you know, he's, he's established himself as a ref, but it looks like what it looks like. It's a blue belt student. Right. Coming in to be the ref so that they have an American, no one realizes they still have hooks in them. Well, the good thing about them, though, is, is, and what I wanted to do, I'll tell you what I didn't like, um, not about them, but like if ever I went to a karate tournament, especially where they did, you know, points or anything like that, there was always some question as to whether you hurt a guy or whether you, you, you could knock out a guy. And so some of the judges might take points away from you, and, you know, for being overly aggressive are you kidding me how many guys have stories about that where they got dq'd for being aggressive whatever and that's bullshit so you go to ufc there's no doubt right if the guy taps whether it's from um you know submission or for strikes you won so that was one thing that really appealed to me about that the only reason i didn't because they were at they they asked me you know to to go further is because i didn't want to get hooked in the contract yeah okay and also, I had plans to go study with my seafood in California. I had a whole plan thing. Like, I thought, okay, I'll do this one thing, and then I'll see how it goes. And then after I'd moved to California to be there permanently, that's when I got approached to get ready for the Russian absolute. Okay. And uh, let's go ahead and get into that then because mm-hmm. – uh, the bottom line is, is there wasn't all that much time between them, if I'm not mistaken here. Uh, let me just pull up my data here. Less than but, a year, I think. Yeah. yeah. So you got UFC 7, and UFC 7 was September 8th of 1995. Mm-hmm. And the Russian Absolute was about three months later, end of November. Something like that, yeah. So, so you I got to show you this. I still have this sweatshirt that they get the, that they gave me. This is the sweatshirt from the tournament. Oh, sweet! <laughs> still got one here. Cool. Yeah, you know, know, you know, I appreciate that a great deal. I'm gonna, I, I gotta make it mandatory for the fighters to bring memorabilia or whatever they yeah. have that because that's the coolest thing. You know, is I, yeah. I, I don't have much. I got a couple of little trinkets here, but that is fascinating. I bet that's still one of the few ones that exist now. You know. Yeah, I got this poster that I'm looking to. I'm not really looking to make a lot of money for it. I mean, I would probably just email it to a fan or you if you really wanted it. But it's a it's a full, full poster from the tournament. Um, I don't really need wow. it. Wow, is that for the uh, Russian? Episode? It has a yeah. It has the the logo down here at the bottom, and then it has a calendar for the year 1996. So it was like something that they were, you know, giving away, you know, or something like oh, that. Oh wow, definitely that's. Give me your address. I'll, I'll send it to you if you want it. <laughs> I, I, I'm in Costa Rica, but I, I, I'll, oh, all right. I'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk talk offline about it, and hopefully, okay. you know, I'm sure somebody will be interested. Hopefully, you get at least a little bit of creditors, you know, some yeah. love for that because that's that's really sweet. So, all right, so you go to California now. So the Russian presence wasn't at the UFC. I thought that they may have been scouting you out there. 
or you met them in California? How did how does that transpire that you get to fly okay. to Russia? I would have to go back to my old um, notes, and I, I don't want to leave the interview right now. I was thinking whether I should run down in the basement. It's been down there for 20 years, but I have an old photo album, you know, of everything, you know. Uh-huh. And I, I was looking for it. I know it's down there, uh, but I didn't want to miss the Zoom, you know, deadline. <laughs> it's cool. Um, but uh, uh, here's the guy I need to really tell you about. Okay. One of Russia's most celebrated martial artists that I'm pretty sure, unless they were joshing me, his name is David Rudman. David Rudman is a Russian Jew. Okay. Um, who is one of the fathers of Sambo. Are you familiar with Sambo? Yeah, sure. Right. Now, one of his students from New York contacted me way over when I was in San Francisco Bay Area. I was actually in a place called Sunnyvale, which is South Bay, um, and said, hey, you want to do this? And I thought about it, and I'm like, well, when's the only other chance I'm going to ever get to Moscow, you know? And I'm like, okay, I'll do it, but you got to take my dad, because my dad always comes with me. You know, that's why he's in the video. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but I didn't know this guy was just a character. You know, this guy, I hate to say it, but, you know, he's more of a business schmooze guy, but he's also a martial artist and he's a student, David Rudman. And he's the one that set all that up. Okay. So they fly me back out to the East Coast and then I meet up with a bunch of other guys at the airport at Kennedy, um, JFK. And then we go, we go out, you know, Trey to Legman and this other guy and this couple other guys, you know, yep. um, I can send you some pictures later if I want to find that album, you know, just in case you want to see what, you know, cause we were there, you know, Red Square, you know, T- Temple of St. Vesey, you know, all that, you know, we got to see all that stuff. And, and I can tell you stories about what it was interesting when you said the mafia, right? Because they're, 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 they had a presence there, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, no, I know for sure. It depends on how much detail you want me to go. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, we could. I'd, li- I'd like to go through this tournament, your experience, like we did, okay. you know, a little okay. bit. But to tell you one, one story I heard is I heard, uh, not at this tournament, but one of the absolute tournaments that the referee was in the ring. He had the, the two fighters. He selected the winner. Then a guy in the front row got out and took his gun out. And the referee actually literally did one of these. So and not, not where you were there, but that they were a presence there. Yes. I also did a few shows there and yeah. my boss, uh, they put out, you know, there's a VIP section. Russians are big on ostentatiousness, right? Mm-hmm. So they have tables and stuff. And I was like, you know, what do you, you know, I usually you, don't you give them champagne or like something there? He goes, no, I, I, these are the root, the rich people in Russia are the rudest people they will throw anything you give them, so I'm not giving them anything. That's a little bit of an idea of, of right. my experience there, and I'm sure yeah. you were yeah. even more exposed to them, you know, before uh, being on the world stage. So let's go. Let's get into this. <laughs> okay. All right. What do you want to know next? Otherwise, I'll just keep blabbing away. <laughs> well, so you're, you're, you're heading to Moscow. You come in. They pick you up at the airport. It's a bus. They're probably taking good care of you. Well, describe the hotel and stuff. We went to, this is 1995, we went to a hotel in Moscow. Okay. Um, I, it looked like a slightly renovated, but still 1940s or whatever, you know, pre, sure. pre-war pre uh, okay. hotel. Um, 
the room, you know, the first day we were there, one of the other American fighters, I apologize, I can't remember all their names, but Trey Tlegman was one of the one of the sure. guys. They they had a room right next to me and my dad, you know. First thing I did was either I found a secret spot <laughs> in a ceiling somewhere to hide any important documents like a passport or any extra money I had, or I always carried it with me. And, um, yeah, I spread stuff around, you know, and the very first day we were there, that room next to ours got broken into and the guy had a bunch of jeans in America because you remember the way the economy was in 95. I mean, he, he got all his clothes stolen. Um, wow. <laughs> and they he said, is there any chance of me getting any of this stuff back? And they were like, I'm sorry, when those jeans hit the street, they were sold probably already, you know, within. Yeah. You know, yeah. markets were bare, you know, coverage were bare, you know, it was a different time, you know, okay. 95. The hundred dollar bill for the United States mm-hmm. had just come out and it didn't look real. You know, it had weird markings on it. When you compare it to the old school hundred dollar bill, it mm-hmm. looked fake. Right. Right. And every day that we were there, we were there three or four days prior to they would these I don't want to call them off because because I don't want them to come after me. I'll just say mm-hmm. you know, eccentric guys with trench coats mm-hmm. <laughs> would in the morning they would feed us some what they thought we'd want to eat, and the other guys are complaining. You know, like I'm getting weak here. I want protein. You know, can we have like chicken leg, chicken quarter, you know, thighs, you know, br- breasts, whatever. You know, and they'd come up with these little, you know our chickens here in the US, you know what I mean? And they're super pumped up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they came up with these little, they, they look like these little birds, you know? And they're like, I can't get enough protein. I remember the other fighters are complete. I was like, I'm just happy to be in Moscow, man. I'll <laughs> eat whatever. I don't care. You know what I mean? Um, but they, they would plop down a hundred dollar bill every day. And then I looked at him, right? And I was like, it's my father right here. I can't believe I did that to these guys too. Cause these dudes had, you know, guns, man, you know? Yeah. And they were like, okay. And then they just put one in front of my dad. So every day my dad's getting a hundred dollar bill. He's not even a fighter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, he'd go down to the hotel lobby and every day, cause he likes to, you know, he's a Navy guy. He, he travel. He's, he's well-traveled. He'd go get coffee from the same lady and the, the same lady all four days plus tournament day, charge him different prices, <laughs> coffee for goods every single day. And he's like, I thought it was, you know, this many rules, you know, le- yesterday. Now it's this many. Like, what's going on, you know? Yeah. But um, r- real quick, they let us go shopping one day. And we had two guys following us with the trench coats. And they have some kind of flea market bazaar. This is not obviously in Temple. Not obviously in Red Square. It's outside somewhere. Because uh-huh. they had shown us, like, the World War II subway that was converted over to a mall. You know, they showed us where the um, the generals were hiding during during the attack, you know, in Moscow and stuff like that. They okay. they gave us some like standard tourist thing. Then they took us to some like flea market thing. And my dad was looking at these Russian babushka hats uh-huh. that were real big. And that's the last I don't want to bore everybody, but the way you the way people barter when you don't have when there's a language barrier is it's the same as when I went to China. OK, you write down a number and then they slide it to you. Right. Like they want a, a hundred, for example. Right. And then I'm like, dad, the guy's trying to barter with you. And he's like, oh no, he cuts it in half. You know what I mean? And says, you know, 50. Right. And he wants this 
mink looking babushka hat you know what i'm talking about the yeah, traditional yeah, sure. like that fur and the guy was like oh and it was it was the equivalent of you're taking money out of our mouths you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and my dad's like oh that's that's too bad i don't want to spend that much money you know and then the mafia guy looks at him right and the guy got scared the guy oh. literally went he just bowed down like this and then he said okay you can have it for this price and then my dad goes, well, if that's the price, I'll take two. <laughs> oh, man. And the guy was like, oh, shit. You know, and he took the two nicest ones he had, you know. That's, that's just the way life is, man, for them, I guess, you know. Yeah. I'll, 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 you know we're telling stories. We'll probably edit some of this. But I, we were in Russia. We took a, a bus full of fighters. I got into the bus, and the boss guy got into his Mercedes up front. Yeah. We're following them to the nightclub after the fights. And the boss whips a U-turn and keeps going. The bus follows him in the U-turn. We get stopped by cops. So the cop is here, and they're, they're beginning to show paperwork, and he's trying to explain. And you can see my boss's Mercedes make another U-turn. He comes back. He makes another U-turn, parks right behind the police car, gets out of his car, and gets into the backseat of the police car to explain to the other guy who he is. The other guy gets out of his car, comes over, and they let us go. <laughs> that's all that's all it was he whipped u-turns we got stopped he didn't etc etc and he said no 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 i just had to tell him who i was that that is that is my opinion 100 accurate because <laughs> there the david rudman okay the martial artist he's famous for his um sambo but he was also really famous for judo and uh, and you know i think he learned krav maga as well because you know he's russian jew mm -hmm. um he's a huge name there there are seven gigantic gymnasiums in Moscow that are not only schools academically for kids, but Sambo schools. Mm -hmm. And it's genius what he did. He put them next to the tenement buildings. All those kids, a few generations that were attending those schools are all his students. So he basically has like an empire. Yeah. He was leading a car that was in front of us. And we were the next car after. And I don't know if it's equipped. We we're at a four-way intersection. I don't know if it's equivalent of like the mayor of Moscow. I don't know who he was. It's some important guy, right? And he was trying to cross. And we were going this way straight. And the cop that was at the intersection saw our, our parade coming down, right? And instead of just doing all this and directing, he saw David Ruman's car. And he stopped all the traffic, made everybody stop. And I'm just going to stand up. He stood up. And then he went like this and he just bowed like this. Right. And David Rubin's car and our car went past. Right. And I don't know who this guy was, but he followed us to the gymnasium. And he said, who do you think you are? And the only reason I know this is that the interpreter, because we're like, what's going on? And we're like, oh, this guy is complaining. You know, why did you make my car stop? Do you know who I am? And David Rubin and all his like guys with the, I, I, the trench coat guys, you know, mm -hmm. they're just. They give him a little talk to do, and they're like, uh, I don't know who you think you're talking to. But mm -hmm. <laughs> I highly suggest that you go back in your car. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there was like a little delay, a little pause, and that dude just backed up and went right back to his car. You know what I mean? Like he didn't want to mess with this, whoever these guys were. And I'll leave it at that, man. Yeah, <laughs> that was some yeah. Sopranos kind of stuff going on, you know? <laughs> now, yeah, and they, they, they backed off. Now, how was uh, where where was the show? Like, what was the building? I I have some huge mecca 
you know. It was like a hockey arena, though? Or, yeah, or it was like, something like that, yeah. Okay, okay. I didn't well, know that's... where I was half the time. You know, those okay. guys just taking me wherever they want. You know, they, they, they bring the bodyguard with you, and then that's it. Sure, sure. No, I, I've heard also, like, Oleg Taktarov talk about fights in a circus tent, but this was yeah. like a legitimate building. Right? This was a legitimate the event. It's a two-day event, too. Okay. See, what people don't realize about bracketed events is you have to fight. You may have to fight three, four times in a night. It's just yeah. like when you're like you're in wrestling and you're at a quad meet, you know, you're going to fight. I mean, you're going to wrestle, you know, four or five opponents to get to the, you know, to, to your, to your final match, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, another time that I was in Russia, we did, they divided obviously the Russian team and then you guys are the foreign team in the locker rooms. Is that how that yeah. was? How, yes. You- it was Americans. And then it was Henzo. And then it was Marco who also won the whole thing. Um, and no, then no, it was no, another yeah, another Ricardo, guy. Ricardo Marias. Oh, Ricardo Marias. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no. That was on my brain because you said that. Ricardo Marias, yes. Yeah, and I, I got a little bit more help for you. One of the other Americans is Alex Andrade. Who That's him, yes. At the point, but yeah. Yes, he's from he's from Texas. Yeah, he's a I do believe, a, yes. He, he was with Tellingman, but uh yeah. Um, so yeah, so that 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 gives us a couple of guys from there, but now you're facing Sambo, which, you know, for people from the West may not recognize it, but Sambo mm-hmm. is an old martial art in terms of, you know, by the 70s, 80s, 90s, it was very sophisticated with very advanced guys, very rugged with the whole Russian and the Russian culture of like, you know, Georgians and Kazakhstanis and yeah. people from all kinds. of. so you're talking about a brutal sport. And you're you're facing some of these guys there. What was that like? Did you have time to see them, to roll around? Did you get any preview? Talk about that. David Rudman brought us to his gymnasium and with spy cameras, (laughs) cameras in another office that was overlooking the mats. Just let us work out. You know, I, I didn't know. You know, we're so young then, you know. Yeah. Basically, what he did was let's get these foreigners who we brought over, by the way. Mm-hmm. But obviously, they want the Russians to win, right? Um, but let's get these foreigners here and let, let's get them work out and let's let them roll around and see what kind of skills they have. You know what I mean? Sure. And then we'll, then we can pick them apart and, you know, put the matches together the way we want to. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's what I guess was happening. Cause what I learned later on is he actually told me, he's like, he goes, oh, I saw you working on this, or I saw you doing that. That's excellent, whatever. And I'm like, how? You weren't there. And he's like, I was watching you from the office. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know? I fully see. I fully expect that kind of treatment from the Russians. So, um, what he, he was never a mean guy, though. In yeah. fact, he let me wear a per, his personal pair of shoes in the tournament because kicking was not allowed with shoes unless you had these special Sambo shoes that were basically a soft leather. Okay. Then they would allow you to kick if you wanted to. Got you. Nice. Okay. Okay. Now, um, and you didn't get to see any of the Sambo guys. Like, it's not like they said, hey, now it's your turn. You t- Here's your opponent. Check out his video. None of that, obviously. No. That's what I was <laughs> alluding to earlier. All the modern fighters now, um, yeah, they get to do, just like in boxing, professional boxing, you know, you get to watch your fighters' previous matches. And you get to see what his tendencies are. Oh, you know, they're like boxing, you know. He drops his hand after he jabs, you know what I mean? 
he's a sucker for the left hook. I'll wait till the third round and then I'll bring it out. You know what I mean? And I'll do, sure. you know, professionals do all that shit, you know? Um, none of that was going on in the early days. You know, it was the wild West, you know? And that's yeah. why I found it not, not, not to say I, I wish for the old days as much, but it was so much more exciting because, because when the crowd got to, to view like these two strange styles just ripped apart and just put in the same ring, you know, people were just like, what the hell are we watching? Yeah. It was the wild west, you know, now it's, you know, everybody, you know, boxing, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, Muay Thai, you know, they, they're all well-versed in all that, which is, which is great and all. Yeah. No, they're, they're more advanced martial artists, but there is sort of like an edge taken on. And I won't say more advanced mixed martial artists, but there's an edge taken away from it. Like I, I used to hear Ken Shamrock talk about an argument and Ken firmly believed that it was not a sport, that it's crossed over to spectacle. The old idea of nobody ever left the fist fight to go watch the band play. You know what right. I mean? Right. So, um, yeah, it's very edgy. I think in Russia, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is I think here where it's probably one of the edgiest events I ever saw in my life because there were many mismatches. There were some very highly skilled guys uh, among the Russians. Ilyukin mm -hmm. is a superstar, the guy who fought in the finals. To me, he was older by then, but he was a guy with rings experience, and I know a lot about him. Uh, Maxim Tirasov was also a good fighter. And then there were guys, Igor Vovchanchin, and then there were guys that, you know, looked like they just got out of, I, I don't know, a 1950s film with like red shorts and striped yeah. shirts and stuff. What, yeah. what was your experience? You fought Pavel Bishiv in the first round. Describe him and describe that fight. Um, I had heard that he was, you know, possibly, you know, Taekwondo and Sambo or something okay. like everybody, you know, a lot of those guys could do Sambo, obviously, you know, um, but I guess he could kick too. So, um, the thing is, also, I'm not making excuses, but we didn't wear any gloves. Sure. There was no gloves, you know, and we weren't taping our hands or not, at least I wasn't. One of the early punches when I threw him, his mouth was up, because I had hit him a couple of times first, and then I popped him once, and I remember his mouth, you know, when I hit him, his mouth would open like this, and when I hit him again, his teeth would, like, they jabbed right into my right knuckles, you know what I mean? I mean, just like that. And I remember like pulling my hand away going, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, that's my best hand, you know? <laughs> um, I wasn't making any excuses after that. I mean, the fight is fight, you know what I mean? But I, I, it was just on my mind after that. Um, I, I, I was a nervous ball of energy, you know? I, I just, I'm in a strange place. I'm in a strange country. I'm not used to the food, honestly. You know, I'm not used to people around me. You know, yeah, you're uncomfortable. Yes, I, I have no other way to describe it other than that, you know. And afterward, you know, you realize, you know, just like in wrestling, you realize, oh man, you know, I, I could have done so much better, you know. I why didn't I do this, you know? Uh -huh. Um, we didn't really do much ground that I could think of, you know, and the, the, the ref stopped it, you know, just from punching, mm -hmm. you know. You got, him, you got him about it's not flamboyant the, fighting you know is not that flamboyant there were no high kicks there was nothing like that you know what i mean i anybody that says oh why didn't you you know do kung fu i'm like kung fu means hard work so <laughs> if the hard work is just beating the other guy's ass then i did kung fu you know what i mean so i yeah. you know I, 
I don't care what it looks like as long as you get the win. You know what I mean? No, and in the tournament format, you have to be thinking about conserving energy and about right. all that sort of stuff. You know? Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yes, that was the other thing that was on my – that was what I was trying to get to. You said it more concisely, but yes. So so now, Bishop, you get by the first round. Now you beat a Russian. Now you got to have you know a little bit of confidence uh, building up and stuff. Yeah, and well, why did they put to... me against Ricardo? Right? <laughs> it's like, oh, we want to let, let's let's get rid of him in the brackets, whatever. Right? It should have been, and I'm not complaining, but I'm like, why couldn't I fought a couple more Russian dudes and work my way up a little bit more? I would have got more money, you know, at that point, right? Because every time you win, you're getting a certain level of more income. That's how they did it. Okay. Right. So yep. first round you get this much, second round you get that much until you get to the end, right? Um, and I was thinking. Why put all the Americans, you know, why, why pitch us like that? Why not, you know, like spread us out, you know what I mean? Be more intense. Yeah. But they were setting it up for that one guy and Ricardo, you know? We'll talk amusing. about that after. Go ahead. Whatever you're going to say. Okay. No, no, no. I, I, you got Ricardo Morai, who for people, for references, a Henzo Gracie student. The yeah. guy is... Uh, you know, probably a full two, you know, over two meters tall, six five, six six, at least. He's a, he's a giant man compared yeah. to me. I was, I was, you know, I was a little intimidated. The thing is, the way it ended, and not shy he, about the steroids, Ricardo Mirai, too, ripped, ripped and huge. I don't, I don't care about that. <laughs> okay, my, I, we were in a position where he was on top, right? He was throwing knees, but his knees weren't really hurting me at all. He was hitting me with the middle of his thigh. Right. If you okay. if you watch the fight, the thing is, I know how to get out of that. I could have sat out and I could have rolled around. But just prior to that, I was watching his punches because Alex had fought him before me. OK. And Alex was it. saying the size of his fist was like a foot. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> uh-huh. look at the foot coming at you. You know what I mean? And Alex's eye was all jacked up and he got punched to crap. By him. And I and I kept thinking, you know. Sucks for him. He didn't get to fight, you know, rushing the way I did. You know, I'm not saying, you know, they're all beatable, but, you know, who wants to go? If you're going to lose, lose against the champion, I say, right? But, yeah. but anyway, um, I, I, I was, you know, at the time, I was young. I was a little intimidated, and I didn't train to fight anybody of that size. I was training to fight all guys around my size. You know, those are the guys that I was training with. And um, my dad had saw what he was doing. He was in the corner, and I was just getting ready to sit out, and I was like, well – Fuck, if I do this, I hope I don't get beat down. And then my dad chucks the towel in, and I'm like, I, I said afterward, I'm like, well, what's done is done. You know what I mean? I Do I have any regrets about it? Yes. Do I wish I, you know, I went further? Yes. You know, if you're asking me. No, and I'm not saying by any means that, you know, a fight is a fight. But, hey, but, but no, you, you wish you, what you wish for, and anybody has a puncher's chance. That's all I would say. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and you know, a yeah. lot of fighters discussed, and I, I think you'll agree, you know, just from your demeanor and, and your, your speaking, is, you know, 60, 80, 90, assign a percentage to the mind part of the game, you know? So now if you're uncomfortable, and then, you know, the, the opponent kind of got under your skin a little bit, his hands are big, you, you saw his opponent, the results and stuff, you're carrying a lot of baggage getting in the ring, you know? He's almost, a, he's almost 100 pounds heavier than me. Yeah, he's he's Two. huge. Yeah, yeah. So so, uh, but he's about... not not a fat not a fat shit. 
No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's not like he was a piece of shit and he was running around. Like, he was 100 pounds heavier and he was highly mobile and could strike, you know? And, uh, so it was different, you know? It wasn't like he was some blob, you know, that, that I could just outpace, you know? Yeah, um, yep. so that, definitely an interesting experience. And he went on to win the whole tournament. Now, the, there's the story that they got taken in a van to get paid and that he was, you know, supposed to get some cash and that he got taken through an alley and met with men with machine guns to, in order to get paid. Did yeah. you have a similar experience? What was going on there? I didn't make as much, so they paid me all in 100. Okay. <laughs> you know, again. Uh, um, um, what am I allowed to say for the IRS? Whatever. I'll, <laughs> I'll say it was less than 10,000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because less than ten thousand, I don't know what the taxable rules are, but I know in a casino, I think that's a significant number, less than ten thousand, right? But it was it was hundreds, right? And um, I don't know. I wasn't personally around, obviously, when Ricardo was getting paid. I mean, by then I was probably all already in my hotel room, and they were doing whatever they were doing. I mean, they're dealing with that. The thing about him, I want to say about his last fight, the final. Mm-hmm. They the ref wanted so bad for the Russian to win. I mean, Ricardo had the guy behind him, and he was raining elbows down on the back of the guy's neck. The guy was not fighting back for a really long time. I mean, like more than 60 seconds. I mean, like in modern fight now, you know, you take four or five shots and you are not fighting back. Yeah, instantly, instantly, all across the board, whether it's one championship or UFC, they will stop the fight for the safety of the fighters. And Ricardo was raining down. You know, he looked like a giant superhuman like this, just giant elbows like this, given everything he got. And the guy was just not fighting back, but he had so much muscle around his uh, trapezius and his neck, you know what I mean? But -hmm. I can imagine what he looked like the next day. He must have been, like, you know, on drugs and just, like, you know, icing it out and, and, you know, just in pain, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, that's Mikhail Lyukin, who to me, from those days, was one of those, like, he was a footlock specialist, a sambo specialist, a footlock specialist, yeah. and an aggressive finisher. So he was yeah. exciting to watch, and, you know, yeah. he met his match against that giant there. Well, well any other impressions or stories there? Like, did, they get, did you have a hard time? Like, obviously, you said the girls didn't tempt you and stuff like that. Did you see some of the other guys go down and fall for that? And, you know, what did you see? Because no... Am I allowed to say who was um, committing infidelity to their, you know, to their relationships at the time? I don't know if anybody will see that. I mean, I will say this. I won't, I won't name any names, but I will say this. Um, And they, so there were three of them. So they don't know which one. Right. And they were from a country in South America. So you you have to pick up which one that is. And one of them was saying to me, um, I don't. He was basically, you know, fucking the interpreter. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Okay. And not in the same time zone, basically. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. <laughs> you sure. know, um, there was a lot of, you know, some of that stuff going on, and that was on the side. You know what I mean? But it bugged me because I was just recently newlywed. You know what I mean? Here I am thinking, you know, not even a year with my wife. Now I'm off in another country. I didn't want to go to Japan because I didn't want to get involved with that shit. And then as soon as you put me into Russia, they're like, here you go. You know, one of the other fighters came back 
and they were the 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 woman was actually hard because she actually said Americans are weak. Oh man! <laughs> I mean, we were sitting at the bar. The girls come paraded out. It was like watching one of those movies where, uh, like, like in like in Bruce Lee, you know what I mean? When when um, in Return of the Dragon, you know what I mean? When when they mm-hmm. parade all the girls out and stuff like yeah, that, they sure. did that. They literally did that, you know, <laughs> and you could sit there and like pick which one you wanted, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a, they're, they're good. They consider themselves good hosts, right? Yes. So, yes. So now, let me ask you one more uh, question about the fights from there, because I I, I remember that tournament, and, I, and one of the Brazilian guys, Adelson Lima, he got knocked out twice. He got beat by Igor Vovchanch and something kind of like actually. It you see his nose. Like, yeah, his nose got seemed, broken. Because in the video, it's that's all I got is the video, but it's a very good, interesting memory. Because first of all, you're talking about people who would go on an all-time great, right? You're mm-hmm. talking about an early, very aggressive, very ripped-up version of Igor Vovchanchin, and Igor knocks him out. The guy falls back and sort of convulses himself into a sitting position and confuses the ref. He's out, but the ref doesn't realize. He thinks he's trying to get up, and Igor comes up and just kicks him in the face. At that point, there's some confusion. They go to the back and they reset the fight. <laughs> what, well, do you, what do you I, know about that? What you were saying, I'm going to talk about that for a second, but what you were saying is very true. I think about the the Russian elite guys, because going real quick, I'm going to get to that, but when Ricardo was, was in that final in all his fights, but when he was in that final match, the referee guy kept looking at those big wigs that were in the crowd. Like, what should I do? If you ever watch it, you'll see the ref looking there like, I could call it right now, but I'm not – because they didn't want they didn't want the Russian guy to lose, you know what I mean? Sure. That's why they were letting all those – that punishment, you know, happen to him, you know? But eventually, it had to happen, you yeah. know what I mean? It had to yeah. win. And so yeah. getting back to the other guy, I, I had forgotten his name. Um, he didn't he didn't speak any English that I know of. Um, Henzo yeah. was the only one who really spoke English at the time. Uh, so his nose was, his nose got broken. Right. But the thing about that is, um, when they were the whole sit up and everything, I think they were trying to give him a chance because there was this ambiguity going on with the ref, you know, the way the referees were, you know, I mean, if you were, not the guys they wanted to win. I don't think they really cared. They just called what they saw. Oh. But when it was somebody, you know, who they thought was important, you know what I mean? Or maybe, and this is just a maybe, I will not say for sure, mm-hmm. there's betting going on. Yeah. That so-and-so needs to last X number of minutes. Sure. Okay. I'm just going to put it that way. Now, when we get back to the locker room, that that guy's nose is busted. I was sitting there watching him, and I'm like, okay, I've seen my dad do this, and another guy had done it for him. But basically, they shoved two pencils up the guy's nose, right? And his nose is crooked. And what they do is they shove the two pencils up there, and they go, on three, ready? One, two. You know what I mean? They don't do three. They go one, like that. 
And then the guy goes, ah, and then, you know, they pull the pencils out and then, oh, his nose is straight. And then they're just forming it. Cause he kept saying, he's like, I don't want to go to a Russian hospital. Uh, <laughs> so they treat him right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah so people, they, they straighten his nose right there with a, with a, with two pencils, you know? The, uh, did you, you avoided the Russian hospital yourself too? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I just, I got a hold of, at the gift shop, I got a hold of some hydrogen peroxide and, and just bandage up my knuckles or whatever. And that was it. You okay. know, fascinating, home. fascinating stuff. So at this point, you know, like you said, you're getting the experience. It's the wild West. You're recently married. You're at a crossroads. It seems like you're probably at a crossroads and you had to decide whether you're going to continue in MMA or you're going to go off on your own path. Talk about that decision and when you decided to not do this again, because you had some success. You retired with a winning record. Um, yeah, I, you were in there with world class guys, you know, for the you, time and stuff, and you hung in there, and there's no shame to what you did. Yeah, there were already rumblings of guys complaining about the contracts that were going on and being treated like a piece of meat, okay, being treated like an asset, you know, sure. Um, even, even. If you play football, you know what I'm talking about, right? So football players, college ball, same thing. Um, they want to know your bench, your squat, your 40, your military press. You know what I mean? You got to tick all these boxes, you know? They were doing the, a lot of the same things for the fighters in the early days. Um, and then it switched over, you know, because our Davies, I think they sold off the rights. And then it became, you know, Dana White and all those guys later on. Right. Sure. Um, like 2001. So yeah, our, our Davey left and then they went to a period where John Peretti was there. Yeah. Yeah. It was a transition. I, I, I had misgivings for the, those rumblings. Plus I, plus I was working at the Kung Fu school, which was one of my overall goals. You know, I'm a person, if I set a goal, I want to do it. I didn't want to just switch. I kept getting off all these really cool offers. Um, but it would have taken me away from the teacher that I was really trying to get to, you know, if you're going to ask me if I have regrets, I do a lot. Yeah, you know fair. what I mean? I inside, I constantly, you know, like I, I'm 50. I, I constantly want, you know, like, to fight and prove myself, you know, and everyone's like, Oh, you should go to the gym. I'll go to a gym and I'll roll and stuff like that. But I'm smart, you know, at my age, I'm not going to sit there and try to like give sure. myself, you know, life-threatening injuries. I just want to like improve my skill and stuff like that. Um, what I do to what I do again right now, if you put me against a guy my own age, within five years of my own age, I probably would do it. Give me three months, give me three months to prepare as long as he's within five years of me, you know, I mean, maybe. You know, yeah. um, I'm still strong. I'm still pretty injury, injury free. And, and if it's not MMA, but if someone steps in my my wheelhouse and they're disrespectful, I'll immediately meet them out in the street. That's the you know, I'm still like that. You know, yeah, not and, because and, not because I'm trying to be brash. It's just my you know, that's what you have to do when you're a teacher. You have to protect what you have. Yeah, you know? no, 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 that's what I wanted to refer to is, is, you know, whatever you did, you walked away from MMA, but. I, I, and I've seen your YouTube channel, things like that. You are a lifelong, you followed a martial yeah. arts path. Right. You went through right. that, that way. So, but let me, let me ask you one. Do you remember one particular offer uh, from back in those old days, like a, something money or a fight in particular or a location 
that they sent you something and, and, and you really it, thought about it that you were immediately that after immediately after David Rudman wanted to take me to a whole new Saul uh, group of fighters and we were going to go to Kazakhstan. Okay. I would have gone home to California immediately and we would have went to the next big thing, which was going to, I don't know whether that whole event went down, but I had heard about that place at the time, you know, I mean, apparently now it's not that bad, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, but at that time. Yeah. You know, some I, of you had just fallen and, you know, yeah. they were on their own and it was poor at the time. I, I so. meant, I meant what I said about guys, you know, hanging, you know, by their feet. Cause uh, I, I always get this wrong. It's Lenin's body in, in the temple of St. I mean, in the red square, right? It's Lenin's body yes. or is it Stalin's body? It's no, Lenin's it's Lenin. body. Yes. Right. So, you know, when you go in there, the guards are all around there, right? And they're got their their rifles or whatever. They they really mean it when they say no flash photography. No. <laughs> you know, they're not playing around those guys, you know? And I I remember being uh I was once in Spain, you know, um as a kid and they 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 called them the in Spain they called them the Guarda Civil, right? Mm -hmm. They're basically the civil guard, they're police. And I was bouncing a basketball and, you know, you make a mistake and you bounce a basketball and it hits your foot and it rolls off. Well, it rolled off right in the direction of the Guarda Civil. And I was, I forgot how old I was. I think I was like 12 at the time. And I was running to go get that ball and I surprised the, the cop. And he turned around and he went, Shh! and he like, I mean, right at me, like, and I dove to side. I was like, you can have the ball. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? So that was always on my mind, you know, and the way I was looking at these guards, I'm like, man, if you mess up here, you know, and you don't show these guys respect, you're going to end up in the wrong spot, you know? Yeah. Again, I was thinking about, you know, being newly married, you know, and everything else, you know, calling me softy, but I, I no, no, know, no. It's I didn't want to go, go away from that. There was a whole life being offered to me all around the world. And I'm thinking, why do I get married if I'm going to do that? You know what I mean? I should have, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I sat yeah. back and I let the I let the world, you know, revolve around me. But I got to tell you, I still, and if anybody's finally listening in on this, you know, if you're going to ask, are there things that I know that I, that could really contribute? I'm not saying that, that I'm a know-it-all. I'm just going to say everybody has something. Sure. Right? Every every good boxing gym has at least one thing they're real good at, right? So it would be a mistake for anyone to think from my experience and from the experience that I've gained post those things. I know what works. I know what doesn't, right, for me. Mm -hmm. um, and in those settings, you know. Um, and I still have rolled and, and been practicing this whole time. I have a few things that I think I could offer. Like, um, anyway, I, I, you know, no, I, I, I think it, it's it, noble. It's noble yeah. that you, you still, like I said, it's that martial arts thing where it's like, right. you know, you, you evolve from the competitor to you know, where it's all piss and vinegar into right. that, that wanting to teach and, and hand it off. And right. you see yourself as part of a greater you know, fabric, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, yeah. that's why I appreciate it. I saw that. That's why I reached out to you. We've been working on getting this interview done because, yeah. um, you know, I think you have a unique story and, but you know, there are a lot of martial artists or traditional martial artists, you know, from that time who never tried it. 
And the bottom yes. line is, is that's what separates you is you that you, you actually tried it. And for the time that's as edgy as, as you know, any, anything that you can see, it's much edgier then than it is now to be a mixed martial, you know, an yeah. fighter. Well, I had guys in my hometown, you know, how like, I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, but obviously, you know, you, everybody, no one believes you in your own hometown. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, so I, there were guys in my hometown. I've known lifelong martial artists as well. They're like, you're going to get your ass kicked in there. You know, after I won, they didn't even want to talk to me. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. That, it's an amazing thing. Jealousies <laughs> and things. And, but yeah, there, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people that are making their money off something that's kind of fraudulent. You know, if you're not going to back it up, right. then there is that aspect. So that's why much respect to you, much respect for coming on. I know Chris wanted to be here, but he's at the bare knuckle show. Uh, I- let's, did you I would have liked that? to have met him, but yeah, I love watching Bare Knuckle because I think if I were to do anything, I would go. I would go to Bare Knuckle because I was used to fighting without the gloves. You know what I mean? And sure. You know when you watch those events, they're very. They have a lot less lateral movement. You know, the Bare Knuckle guys, they just kind of like straight gun for each other, and then once they make that initial contact, you know, anybody that says they back straight out. Yeah, they back, thank you. They back straight out. You know, there's not as much lateral movement. There's, you know, they really just kind of charge and gun at each other. And it really kind of reminds me of, um, you know, the Filipinos have a saying, you know, like, if you look at another Filipino guy and you were to say, you know, like, you know, Matigas, you know, you're being, you're saying, you know, like, who has the more, who's the top guy? You know what I mean? Can you mm-hmm. match me? Mm-hmm. You know, can you try me? You know, are you as good as me? Will you challenge with me? You know what I mean? And that's what those guys are, you know? Um, and it makes a difference when you're popped with a good knuckle sandwich, you know, I'm not saying that the MMA gloves don't hurt, but yeah, it's a different experience. You're, you're more likely to cut somebody with bare knuckles than you are with the gloves. That's why I'm, you know, uh, absolutely. So but you're sure. also more likely to spread your own knuckles. You know, a lot of, in case the audience is, is, is listening, you know, the reason that professionals tape their knuckles is to keep the knuckles from spreading apart. You know, the reason boxers tape their knuckles, right? We tape them so that they keep them compacting together so that over the years, all the pounding, you, you, you won't develop arthritis as much. Yes, it makes your fist more compact. Yes, it does all those other things. But one of the other things that you're trying to do is protect yourself, which is what a smart athlete would do, you know? And if you're bare knuckle, you don't have that, you know? So as we close out here, let me ask you. So who's your favorite UFC fighter now? Do you still follow it? Or over the years, who would be the one guy you would say to somebody, watch this guy? I really like um, I really like George St. Pierre, you know. I think he's a hard worker. Okay. I like a lot of them, you know. Um, That's so, St. Pierre's a good choice, you know. It's an all-time. Yeah, right? yeah. I liked BJ Penn way back. Sure. I liked him. I like, you know, I, I go for this, you know, some of the older guys, you know, like that. Um, th- those are the guys. I mean, BJ Penn, I do believe, had a background in karate. Okay. Uh, I do believe. Um, I think he was one of the first guys who threw a front kick and knocked a guy out right, right straight up in the chin, just a straight up front kick, you know. Okay. And then the world went, oh, shit, traditional techniques still work. You know yeah. what I mean? Because prior to that, everyone was, oh, I'll take you down. I'll put you in an arm bar. You know what I mean? Oh, I'll take you down. And I'll do this, whatever. And then here it comes along somebody, you know, just whack. You know what I mean? And it's over. Yep. Yep. And so, it's, it, it's over, you know. Um, definitely. 
I really like her. Uh, I think she's a hard worker. What do you, you think know? of the female fights? I started over? to pay attention. I started to pay attention a lot with uh, one championship in Asia, and I like the team Lakai and all the like the Filipino guys. You know, okay. So, um, shout Talk out to the guys. You yeah, know? they're doing great things over there too. Because and yeah. and I, I I'm impressed because I'll be honest with you. When one FC came out, I said to myself, "Yeah, let's see if they got 20 shows in them." You know what I mean? Yeah. Because We've already seen companies come and go so many right. times. And the fact is, is, you know, they've run, they've had hundreds of shows. So I was way wrong, never more happy to be wrong. And they really tapped the market. Like you said, developed Filipino fighters, you know. Uh, Brandon and UFC v- guys are crossing over and yeah, going like over there. Brandon Vera, you know, yep. I've been bought over, for example, a heavyweight. And there are other guys, Eddie Alvarez, who I know fights yeah. over there and things like that. But they really also worked on, the Filipino market, the you know they have ties to Burma and things like that. So it's yeah. definitely a great company. Yeah, nice to see that you enjoy and watch that too as well. Oh yeah, definitely good plug. Um, we've been joined by Onassis Parangal, UFC seven veteran, to talk about his MMA experience. He retires with a winning record, undefeated in the UFC, and that all time tournament in uh in Russia, the Russian absolute one. Uh, Onassis, any final words before we sign off? Uh, God bless, uh, Michael. Thank you so much for contacting me and want to do this interview. And to any fans out there that bothered to listen all the way to the end, really appreciate it. And watch Michael's show. So Cool. Thank you very much, sir. Check out the full interview on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms.